1: If Jesus had not come, how dark had been the night. The wise men sadly done had seen no starry light. The shepherds on the hill had heard no angel song. The bells in silence chill. No joyous peal had rung. If Jesus had not come, how blank the sacred page. The poet had no song and silent were the sage. No artist to adorn our worship with delight. No choral psalm had borne his praises day or night. If Jesus had not come, how sad had been our fate. Of judgment sore the sum for all our sin and hate. No loving God of grace his precious son had given. No, No hope to see his face. No joy to meet in heaven. But Jesus came. He came to earth and men beheld his manger birth. The shepherds heard the angels sing. The wise proclaimed him Lord and King. He died, he rose, and by his blood we too become the sons of God. We preach the gospel in his name. For Jesus came. Yes, Jesus came. That's why Christmas is a big deal, because Jesus came. I want you to take your Bible this morning, turn with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number nine. When you found your place, if you're physically able, I'll ask you to stand to your feet out of honor and reverence to the word of God as we read aloud our scripture text this morning. Isaiah chapter number nine. I'm sure you know what verse we'll read, the Christmas verse, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, and this morning let's read aloud together this tremendous verse, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, ready, begin. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Our Heavenly Father, what a joy it has been to be in the house of God today. Lord, my heart is filled to overflowing as we thought of that wonderful name, that matchless name. That name which is above every name. That name at which one day every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Christmas name. That name of Jesus. As one man said, God spells wonderful with five letters. J-E-S-U-S. Lord, this morning, as we look at you, I pray that you would be lifted up. I pray for those that do not know that wonderful name of Jesus. May this morning their eyes be opened. May their hearts be drawn. And today, may they come to know him in a personal way. Get honor and glory unto yourself. We'll thank you for it. For we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you, you may be seated. It's Christmas time. The time of celebration, the time of family gatherings, the time of caroling, fun, laughter. I really believe it's the most wonderful time of the year. But the real reason that it's the most wonderful season is because it is the season when we commemorate the advent of the Christ child. You know if you ask different people about Christmas, they often will describe it to you using different events or different words. One may speak of family, a child may speak of presents, an older person may speak of memories. You know the Bible writers are no different. When they speak of Christmas, they reflect upon different things. Matthew begins with the family tree. And he includes the arrival of foreign travelers. And he gives us the record of a fierce tyrant who was the first Grinch of Christmas. (laughs) Luke skips all of the family tree. In fact, he skips what happens after the birth of Christ in large part, and he merely focuses on seraphim and shepherds. John just simply notes the miracle, for he says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We're familiar with what those individuals say about Christmas. But what do others say about Christmas? The prophet Isaiah tells a wonderful Christmas story. So let's give him our ear this morning and see what he has to say. If Isaiah were here, I believe that he would explain to us that in order to really tell the Christmas story and impart its message, He would have to begin by setting the scene. He would have to paint the picture for us. Before you can ever know the true wonder of Christmas, you have to understand the background that made Christmas necessary. And Isaiah begins by telling us what it was like when that first Christmas came to pass. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 64. In Isaiah 64, Isaiah says, I want to tell you how the world was. In what condition mankind was found when that first Christmas occurred. He begins by telling us about this condition, Isaiah 64 in verse number 6. But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. You say, what was was the world like Isaiah? What was the condition of mankind? He would remind us that men were in an unrighteous condition. As an unclean thing. Even the best that we could do was as... Filthy rags. Not only was this an unrighteous condition, but it was a universal condition. It had no exemptions. There were no exceptions. For we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. From the palatial palace to the humble hamlet, Everyone was included and the background was dark and the picture was awesome and ugly. By the way, it was an unescapable condition for our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. We were taken away from peace. We were taken away from joy. We were taken away from contentment and hope and Yes, even taken away from help. Oh, when the first Christmas story was about to unfold, the plight of man was very bad. And as a result of its condition, humanity made and uttered a cry. In that awful and helpless state, man needed deliverance. And notice what man would say according to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse number one. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, Amen. that thou wouldest come down. You see the cry from those who could not escape the snares of sin, from those who are not able to master the carnal cravings or break the chains of captivity or conquer the devilish desires that so possess them there was a cry for help from a place that was beyond them. It was a cry of desperation. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens. That word oh is an interjection. It's a word that used to express intense desire. It was not just, Lord, we wish you could do something about it. It was a realization that we are in a desperate state. We are in a helpless condition. There is nothing we can do. Oh, that thou wouldest do something. God, it is beyond us. It was a cry to the divine. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens. Well, who is in the heavens? God is in the heavens. That thou wouldest come down. Here is the hard cry of fallen man that God would come and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. But you know the truth of it is, yes, that cry was a cry of desperation. It was a cry to the divine, but it was really a cry that was only a dream. For how could God come down? And more importantly, why would God choose To come down. You know, that has been the cry of mankind from the very beginning. In fact, if we turn to what many scholars would tell us is the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job, Job in Job chapter 9, and verse number 2 asks this very same question. He says, How should man be just with God? And then Job goes on in that chapter to explain the fact that God is so great and God is so high and God is so majestic and man is so low and man is so sinful and man is so weak and feeble and there is a chasm between the two that could never be spanned. Job says it this way, speaking of God, for he is not a man as I am. That I should answer him. And that we should come together in judgment. Then Job said this, and neither is there any daysman betwixt us. Job said that he might lay his hand upon us both. Job said, if there could just be somebody who could reach out and touch God. And reach down and touch me. There might be hope. But there is no one, and there is no man. All oh, man's condition was pretty bleak. Man's cry was pretty desperate. But what did God have to say about all of this? What was God's response to this great, agonizing cry from the lips of humanity? Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number one. Amen. Amen. Comfort ye." Comfort ye my people, saith your God. How in the world could God speak comfort to men who are under condemnation and judgment? Well, it is interesting to note, we don't have time this morning, but if I had time, I could show you Isaiah is literally the Bible in miniature. The Bible is made up of 66 different books and Isaiah has 66 different chapters. The Old Testament literally, the first 39 books of the Bible, the Old Testament ends with two words, a curse. You see, under the law there was condemnation, there was judgment, there was guilt that was declared. But there was no final solution. But then you come to the 40th book of the Bible, the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew, and all of a sudden, comfort, the answer is introduced to the problem, the situation, and the fifth word of the New Testament is this, Jesus. And in that opening chapter, five times you find the name of Jesus, for Jesus is still the answer for those that are seeking for help. And God says, speak comfortably to them, speak to them, give great comfort because of the proclamation, verse number five of Isaiah chapter 40, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. John verifies that when he says in John chapter one and verse number 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You say, but how could that be? How could God come and dwell among men? Well, God began to explain it. God said, I have a plan. Isaiah chapter number 7. Isaiah tells us about it in verse number 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God says, I'm not going to do it in an improbable way. I'm going to do it in an impossible way. Because that way we know that it was God. And a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Why in the world would God do this? What is God's purpose? What is God's reasoning behind it? Well, again, if we turn to Isaiah, he has the answer for us in Isaiah chapter 53. By the way, if you look at that book of Isaiah as being the Bible in miniature, you will find that the first 39 chapters are chapters of judgment and condemnation, picturing the Old Testament under the law. You'll find that those last 27 chapters are chapters of hope and comfort and deliverance because there is an answer, there is a solution, that Jesus Christ is His name. And if you look at the heart of Isaiah's New Testament... You have to take the 39 chapters of the Old Testament Of course 27 of the New So that would mean 14 is the center chapter If you take 39 and you add 14 You wind up in chapter number 53 That is the heart of the New Testament message You say what is it? Isaiah 53 and verse number 4 Surely he hath borne our griefs And carried our sorrows Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God And afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. I read the story of a young man. Who was on a train, and, and on the train, he was listening to some men talking. And uh, he, he heard these men talking about experience that they had had. And uh, one man was telling the other man he said, "Remember several years ago when uh, I, I had seen you, he said, the man had evidently asked him about his salvation." He said, uh, remember several years ago when you had talked to me about that and, and uh, I, I had not responded and I, I never told you the story of how I came to know Christ, but I'll tell you now. And the man said, I'm very interested. He said, many years ago, you had talked to me and we had talked and he said, I was riding a train and he said the train had come in and I, I had to get on board. And he said, I got on board and I stood and I looked out the window as you stood on the outset and I said, I still don't understand what is it that I have to do? What is the answer for my situation? And he said, you stood on the outside on that platform and you cried out, Isaiah 53, 6, just go in at the first stall and come out at the last stall and you'll be all right. He said, I couldn't get that out of my mind. Go in at the first stall and come out at the last stall. He said, I found a Bible and I looked up Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. I had to come in knowing that I was under condemnation. But the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. I could go out knowing that Jesus paid my sin debt. And I went in at the first stall and I came out at the last stall and it's all all right. Can I say, that's the way of salvation. That's why Jesus came. There is a green hill far away without a city wall where the dear Lord was crucified who died to save us all. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. The reason he came was so that you and I might have hope. He came into the world... Not to condemn the world. But that through him the world might be saved. Then here is the promise. Isaiah. What happened as a result? Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah would say this. Oh everyone that thirsteth. Come ye to the waters and he that hath no money come ye and buy and eat. Yea come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You see, here's the Christmas promise He that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out then Isaiah reminds us that we all have a choice. Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 18. Perhaps Isaiah's most familiar verse. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. A number of years ago, in fact, it first appeared in print on November the 27th, 1858. There was a poem written by John Whitaker Watson. The title of this poem was called Beautiful Snow. In it, the author likens fallen man to snow that once was beautiful, but yet now has fallen, become stained by dirt and filth. The verses go like this. Oh, the snow, the beautiful snow, filling the sky and the earth below, over the housetops, over the streets, over the heads of the people you meet, dancing, flirting, skimming along, beautiful snow, it can do no wrong, flying to kiss a fair lady's cheek, clinging to lips and frolicsome freak, beautiful snow from the heaven above, pure as an angel, gentle as love. Once I was pure as the snow, but I fell. Fell like the snowflakes from heaven to hell. Fell to be trampled like filth in the street. Fell to be scoffed at, spit on, and beat. Bleeding, cursing, dreading to die, selling my soul to whoever would buy. Dealing in shame for a morsel of bread, hating the living and fearing the dead. Oh, merciful God, have I fallen so low. Yet I was once like the beautiful snow. During the civil days of the Civil War, this poem was first published in 1858. And several years later, in the midst of the Civil War, in the city of Cincinnati, a policeman was making his rounds that evening. As he made his rounds that winter evening, he came across a, a, a little hump in a doorway. And, and uh, as he got closer, he realized that it was actually a human form huddled up in the doorway, trying to stay warm. He called the uh, ambulance and they came and sure enough, it was a young lady that was there and really her life was the story of this poem. She had been raised in a home of great wealth and she had been possessed of great beauty. She had squandered it all, wealth and beauty alike, and a life of sin. And at a very young age, Here she was, emaciated, hungry, almost at the Christmas season, huddled in a doorway outside of an abandoned store. And they took her to the hospital and sought to revive her. But all to no avail, she slipped out into eternity. As they looked through the effects that she had on her, they looked in the little purse and they found a copy of this poem. And they thought, how appropriate these words, Once I was pure as the snow, but I fell." Fell like the snowflakes from heaven to hell. Fell to be trampled like filth in the street. Fell to be scoffed at, spit on, and beat. Bleeding, cursing, dreading to die. Selling my soul to whoever would buy. Dealing in shame for a morsel of bread. Hating the living and fearing the dead. Oh, merciful God, have I fallen so low. Yet I was once like the beautiful snow. But interesting enough, on that little tattered piece of paper with the words of this poem, there was an additional verse that had been written in a different hand. They do not know whether this young lady had written it or someone had given it to her as a means of hope. But here is this last glorious verse. Helpless and foul is the trampled snow. Sinner, despair not, for Christ stoopeth low. To rescue the soul that is lost in sin. To raise it to life and enjoyment again. Groaning, bleeding, dying for thee. The crucified hung on the cursed tree. His accents of mercy fall soft on thine ear. Is there mercy for me? Will he heed my weak prayer? Oh God, in that stream that for sinners did flow. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. I'm glad to report today that there is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sin away. Isaiah, what is the Christmas story? The Christmas story is that man was desperate without hope and without help. The only answer had to come from above. And God, in great compassion, took his greatest gift and wrapped his only begotten son in a robe of flesh, laid him in a manger so that he could grow up, live a sinless life, and offer himself as the one sacrifice for sin forever. That whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. That is Christmas according to
0: Isaiah.